Welcome to episode 34 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 28th, 2017. Me? My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show with me as always, as always, as always, and I'm so glad that he's here. As always, Corey Motley, staff writer, Game Critics. How is it going, Corey? I am pretty tired, but I'm doing all right, Brad. Excellent, excellent. It's been kind of a long day. It's been uh, really hot lately. I know that we're probably both fairly dehydrated, both fairly sunburned, I'm guessing. Yeah, <laughs> sound about right? Uh, yeah, I uh, was out photographing in this event at a skate park all day today, so I was out and like between 80 and 90 degree weather for like five hours this afternoon photographing dudes. So I feel kind of just kind of like gross from doing that all day, I think. Yeah, I hear you. Just being out in the sun, it's so nice. And I don't mean to be negative because um, we have just gotten off of like the longest rainy streak in Seattle that's been in like, uh, like since the 40s or something like that. Something outrageous, right? Like it's just like the longest stretch of rain, which is ridiculous. And, you know, last week I was just dying for some warm weather. Like I was just, the heater was on, I had wool socks on like a week ago. It was ridiculous. And in the last couple of days, it's been so sunny. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm good. Enough, enough. I sweaty, filthy, dirty, sunburn. I'm ready for <laughs> some cooler weather. So I, all I needed was really one day, I guess, just one day. So anyway, glad we have it. I'm going to try to get some shade tomorrow. I suggest you do the same. Don't burn yourself out. Uh, summer is just getting started, my friend. And... So is this show. As listeners know, we usually get the ball rolling with our traditional few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game-related. And we also have some questions and comments from listeners this week. Love those. We're going to get to those in just a few minutes. But the banter... And before we get to the banter, a quick announcement. Um, we got some feedback from... I'm not going to name this person because I don't know if they want to be named. So I'll, <laughs> I'll leave them anonymous. You know who you are. We got some feedback from someone who said uh, they were not a fan of the banter, which is fine. Um, I'm happy to get that feedback. I'm really glad that they felt comfortable enough to be honest with us and let us know that they didn't care for it. And I'm going to be I'm going to be comfortable and honest with all of you guys, too. I don't like the banter either. I hate the banter because you know what? <laughs> when I listen to podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I really do. And whenever I listen to any show that starts out with like 20 minutes of bullshit that's not game related, I kind of tune out. And if I love the podcast, I'll skip past it. And if I don't love the podcast, I'll I'll unsubscribe. So um, I don't know if Josh or Jay from the Josh and Jay show listen to this show. I hope they do, because uh, those are really cool guys. They ran a really cool podcast for a long time. That was one of my favorites. And I rode those guys really hard for a long time because they did a lot of banter at the beginning of their show. And like every week, I would I would like send them a direct message and be like, dude, I hate your banter. I love your show, but I hate your banter. Stop the banter and knock it off. And so if they're listening. I'm sure it probably really pisses them off that we do a lot of banter because I wrote them for like so many years about the banter. Um, but, you know, as we've said before in the show, people love the banter. We get um, a lot of comments and we get a lot of people saying that is like, like, if not their favorite part of the show, like they love that part of the show. Um, so that's why we do it. Um, just so many of you really, really like it. But I knew there had to be somebody out there who didn't like the banter. So we finally heard from that person. They said they hate the banter. And that's totally fine. Like, I get it. Sometimes you just want to get to the good content. You want to talk about games, listen about games. I get that because I'm basically the same way. But we have so many people who love the banter. Um, I, I just, we can't get rid of it. Like, people like it. And I don't want to disappoint all those folks. So, uh, Corey and I were talking before the show. 
we came up with a compromise and we figured that we would just put in timestamps uh, on the uh, description of the show beforehand. So the banter will still be there for those people who like the banter. And as I said, that's a lot. A lot of people like the banter. But for those folks who do not like it, um, just check out that timestamp before you start the show. Jump straight to that timestamp and then you can just get right into the meeting conversation. You do not have to listen to the banter. Um, so we're going to be doing that from this point forward, hopefully. That will make as many people on both sides happy because we want our listeners to be happy. We like happy listeners. And this seemed like the only way to settle it peacefully without any shots being fired. So we're going to give that a try. If any of you guys have any feedback about anything else, please let us know. Um, And I guess we'll just see how this goes. So um, with no further ado, let's go ahead and get into the uh, aforementioned banter. Corey, uh, why don't you start us out this week, sir? Uh, well, I feel like I say this every week, but my life has been extraordinarily boring lately. Um, I haven't really done anything that exciting, but, um, one thing that was kind of cool the other day, uh, was cause let's see, it's like Sunday night. So on Friday, a couple, um, there's like a, a news, not a newspaper. There's like a magazine, I guess, in the area that wanted to, to do a story on the local parkour athletes here. And, uh, Peyton, who is the guy that I photograph most often, he lives about an hour north of New Orleans proper. And there are a couple guys who live out in Baton Rouge, which is about an hour and a half away. Um, And on Friday, the guys that live out in Baton Rouge drove into town and I hadn't seen them in a while. And uh, Peyton came down also and we met a reporter out in downtown New Orleans. And she like, uh, like took some video of us or I wasn't doing anything cause I was just there to take pictures as well, but taking video of the guys. Um, and I was out there photographing them and everything. And then we went and she wanted to interview the guys for the story and everything. Cause I guess she's doing some kind of video package on the whole thing. Um, and it, it was pretty neat. Cause like we went up and she, uh, you know, had some questions for us and recorded the interview and everything. And then she wanted to interview me, which I wasn't mm-hmm. like, I wasn't like there to be interviewed. I didn't really like want to, to be a part of it. I just wanted to like be there to photograph the guys. Cause anytime they go out uh, to do parkour, I always want to be there to photograph them. But she was like, well, it's obviously around these guys a lot. And, um, and I would just like to talk to you about it too. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's fine. And, um, I ended up delivering like a pretty good interview, I guess for her. Like, I think the guys were really, I don't want to like toot my own horn too much, but I think the guys were like, really impressed with the stuff that I said to her. And I thought it was funny because like, you know, I, I mean, I have quite a few years on them. Like the guys who I photograph are like 18 to 22 and I'm almost 29. And, you know, so I've got like a reasonable amount of life experience on them. And I also, uh, my bachelor's degree is in magazine journalism. So, you know, I've worked for a newspaper, I've worked for a city magazine, um, for both like online and, uh, you know, print content and stuff like that. And, um, and I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, well, I, I also do the podcast every week. Cause it's something like, you know, obviously the podcast for me is just a lot of fun. Like I, I don't think of doing this as a lot of work and I don't think of it as like something like, I don't think like, Oh God, it's Sunday. Like shit. I have to go talk to Brad now. Like, Oh no. And I have to edit the show. Like, but you know, like having a bachelor's in journalism and, doing a podcast every week. I mean, obviously it really does help me, I guess, speak better and try to like think about things and be like thorough in what I'm saying. And because I've been on the end of having to interview people like several times over, 
uh, for stories. And like, even when I worked at Target, I, uh, when I was a team leader, I interviewed people, uh, you know, for jobs all the time. And so I feel like I have a better grasp of like how to talk to people whenever they're interviewing me and how to answer their questions more like thoughtfully, I guess. And like, part of that is because of my degree. Part of that is because of the podcast. And part of that is just because of like the life experience that I have on the other dudes in the group. But um, I was pretty happy. Like it was cool just being able to go out with them again and then to be interviewed about it. And I'm pretty excited to see the video package whenever it's finished because she told us that she would show us like the first edit of it. And then, um, you know, then she would submit it to her editor and stuff. So, so hopefully it goes over well. I'm pretty excited about it. Oh, right on. That sounds great. You should post a link to that in the show notes when it goes up. I'm sure that people would love to uh, take a look at that. Uh, maybe I will do that. I will have to see. I have no idea what her like turnaround time is going to be for it. But uh, whenever whenever it goes up, if it's good enough, then I will post it in the <clears throat> show notes. <laughs> right on. Well, that's actually kind of interesting. Would you say that you are kind of a shy person, Corey? Like, you know, you, you talked about like increasing your, your speaking skills. Like, do you do a lot of public speaking or was that for jobs before? Like in, in general... Are you very shy? Would you would you tend to always shy away from talking to people, or are you more comfortable? Like, you just needed to polish up a little bit. Uh, I am generally pretty shy. I mean, I, I think the thing about like the way that I act is, if I'm around people I don't know, I, I I don't really talk a whole lot, and I'm not really like the kind of person who wants to be the center of attention. Because even when I'm around the parkour guys, like. I don't, I don't, I mean, I talk, you know, enough, but I, I, I'm not the person who, cause you know, there's a lot of people out there whenever, whenever nobody's talking, there has to be somebody who like has to fill that empty space with words and they have to be the person who says things. And I'm very content just being the guy who just sits there and, you know, doesn't really have to say a whole lot and doesn't really feel like I have to fill that empty space with like words and, you know, and just like saying things. So I think that maybe it was... Uh, kind of surprising for this is gonna I'm gonna sound kind of conceited when I say this but it was kind of surprising for the guys to hear me like speak so thoughtfully about parkour because maybe they didn't like realize how much I knew about it and how you know the years that I had spent practicing it before photographing it like how big of an impact and how much I understood it because I don't like, I don't need to be that guy who, like, mansplains everything to people and, like, has to let people know, like, how much I know about things. I'm very content just knowing in my head that I know the things that I know and that I don't really have anything to prove to anybody. And, I mean, part of that is because I'm shy and part of that is just because I wasn't really... I was never that guy. Like, I, I always try to be, like, the quiet guy in the room and hopefully, like the kind of quiet guy that people assume is like smart maybe. And like whenever I was growing up, people always told me that I was more mature than like my peers whenever I was like, you know, in middle school and high school. And I think it's simply because I didn't talk a whole lot. And honestly, I mean, every word you say is just another chance to prove how stupid you are. So the simple act of not talking a lot, like, makes you look more mature and makes you look more thoughtful and makes you look smarter. And like, I don't want to say that I'm all those things. Cause I'm like, not really that smart of a guy, but, uh, I don't know, like just that I'm kind of shy and maybe a little bit standoffish is, um, I don't know, I guess works to my advantage, if you will. I wouldn't say that you're not that smart of a guy. You shouldn't say self-deprecating things like that. <laughs> Do not allow it on the show, sir. Do not allow it. I would not be doing a podcast with a dumb guy. So therefore <laughs> by association, you are already smart. Uh, interesting. You know, that kind of sounds like we have maybe more in common, um, than we might've known at the beginning. Cause I would say that like everything that you just described, 
probably fits me pretty well uh, also. Like when I was in school or when I would be in places, I would be also that guy who didn't say a lot. I would be the guy in the back who just was like kind of going with the flow. And, you know, I would answer questions if somebody asked me, but otherwise I would be pretty quiet and not be up in front, you know, wouldn't be trying to fill the space and so forth and so on. Uh, pretty shy in general. Uh, and it's interesting um, because my job is actually very public and I actually get up and talk in front of people all the time. And I, I'm very uh, meeting new people all the time. And I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's something that I never in a million years thought I would be doing. And it's really strange because I hate doing it. Like, I don't like to be in front of people. <laughs> I don't like to talk in front of people. And yet I'm always in front of people for my job. And I have to be very like upfront and and uh, to be in public speaking situations. So I feel like I've got this like persona. I don't know about you, but like, I feel like when I need to, I can kind of turn it on and I'm like, you know, I'm the guy that talks and I can be smooth and make a joke and stuff. But that's not really like who I like to be. Like, I'm, I'm really actually like the quiet dude who stays at home and plays games and doesn't really, you know, I'm not like the alpha in any conversation or anything like that. So interesting. I think that we've got uh, quite a bit in common there. Um, one thing really quickly. Oh, uh, before we move on. And did you have more banter or was that it? Uh, that's it. I don't really have anything else special to say, I don't think. Oh, okay, okay. I wanted to follow up. You said the word mansplain, and I fucking hate that term. I hate <laughs> that word so much. Uh, I, not to get off on, like, a huge tangent here, but, like, I think that is such a bullshit term. Because, you know, like, you can't even talk about it without automatically sounding like an asshole. So I'm just going to put that out there. I want to just talk about this for a second. And I know that I'm going to sound like an asshole, but they, there's literally, like, no way to talk about it without sounding like a jerk. Uh, because the phrase not all men has to come up. And whenever anybody says not all men, you're automatically the asshole again. So it's like, there's this giant trap of like, wait a minute, I want to talk about this, but I don't want to automatically be the asshole, but I am. Anyway, I hate that fucking term because, you know, uh, sorry, but not all men do that. And, you know, and I realize that people are like, oh, but you just said not all men. So that for it, you know, it invalidates anything you have to say. Okay. No, no, no. Like, I wish it was called something else. I wish it was called like, like dicksplain. Like I would accept dicksplain because someone's a dick when they do that. Like, that's fine. Or, you know, something along those lines, like jerksplain or, you know, something like that, where it's like, it doesn't have to be just the gender, right? Like, because I feel like it's, if, if you're a person who gets a lot of that gender negativity, like, you don't want to give it back. Like, I mean, fighting fire with fire, it doesn't actually put out the fire. And I know that some people don't see a problem with that. I, I really rankle at hearing that term. I really hate it. And every time I try to bring up the fact that, like, using that is just as sexist as anything else that anybody else uses, I get totally drowned out and I get dogpiled on. And it's like, you can't have that discussion in certain circles, but this is our fucking podcast. And I'm going to have the fucking discussion now because it's just you and me. And we're not going to get like 85,000 Twitter replies and angry gifts and stuff like that. But like, I mean, what do you think about that, dude? Like, do you think that's a fair term to use? Like, I mean, you used it. So, I mean, are you just using it because it's common usage or do you feel like it's fair to use or like, what's your opinion on that? Oh, I think it's totally fair to use. I mean, pretty much you complaining about it like i was pretty close to rolling my eyes the whole time you were complaining about it just because oh like, see i knew it i knew it oh yeah dude. i mean it's just like pretty much everything you said like you know why i'm rolling my eyes like oh no i know man, but it's Nikki, you can't no. roll your eyes because it's bullshit though it's total bullshit. no it's not bullshit because there's no such thing as sexism against men so basically that invalidates the entire argument about like what you just said but it's like a slander, though. Like, I feel like... So, okay, like, I'm... See, there, like I just said, there's no way to even talk about this without being the bad guy. And I feel like I've already fallen into the bad guy role. But I feel like to even talk about it, like, in a fair way, like, there has to be just, like, a little bit of ground given. And I realize we're both two guys talking about this, so maybe this isn't really the, pl the right place to talk about it. But I just feel like, you know, 
I work really hard to be a nice guy and a good guy. I know other guys do that too. And I just feel like lumping everybody into that term is really bullshit. And I just wish it was, I get what the term means and I, I acknowledge it. Like, I'm not saying that that's not a true thing. Like I know it's a true thing. So I'm not saying it's not a wrong term. I just feel like it's, it needs to be tweaked in how it is used. I don't like exactly what it's called, even though the thing that it represents, I agree is a bad thing. And I think it's a true thing. So yeah, like I just, I just wish it was called something else because I think the the title of that, the word itself is just not a good word. So anyway, uh, we don't have to agree on this. We don't have to fight about it, but that's, that's my two cents. I get the sentiment. Agree with it. I just wish it was called something else. I'm going to so. assume that before the show, you were probably like writing on the Alamo draft house's Facebook wall about how you're mad about, uh, Wonder Woman getting an all women showing too. Oh, please. Right, oh, please go, go check my fucking timeline. I retweeted that thing a billion times and I did all the gifts. I'm in support of that. Like, I think it's fine. I think anybody who's upset about that is getting upset over nothing and they need to chill the fuck out. So I am super feminist. I totally support that. I just, I just have a problem with this particular, just this one term, whoever coined that, I feel like I wish they'd coined something else, but I get what they're saying and agree. I just wish it was something else. So, and I, I think it's fine to have all female showings. No problem there. And I, uh, I will, uh, I will not attend, but I, but I support them. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Uh, oh yeah. I have some banter too. That wasn't even my banter. Oddly enough. <laughs> uh, goofy movie. Have you seen the goofy movie or a goofy movie? Uh, no. Never? Have you heard of it? Are we talking about Goofy, like the cartoon character Goofy? Yeah, from Disney. Uh, no. Uh, Brad, we've established about 6,000 times on the show that I am far too masculine to watch like that cartoons is... or animated movies that or anything true. like that. That is true. That is true. So, yeah, That's sorry. True. Too, much, too much testosterone. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was watching uh, a Goofy movie, uh, which is... Uh, has Goofy in it, but actually he's actually not not the star of the show, believe it or not. The star of this particular movie is his son. He has a canon son. His name is Max, and he looks just like Goofy, but shorter, and he's a kid. And it's a really interesting, really good film. The music is really good, and it's about uh, Max is this really like misfit kid in high school, and he wants to impress this girl. So it's kind of like your general kind of like, you know, kid in school movie. And Goofy, who is his dad, wants to take him on a fishing trip, but Max doesn't want to go, blah, blah, blah wackiness ensues but it's really cool because it seems like to be smarter and more i I mean i don't want to say like hip because hip itself is not a hip word to use but it just seems like there's more of uh just just coolness to it like i could kind of identify with that movie uh more than some other disney movies it feels a little bit more real in some ways like the problems that max has i'm like oh this is like not a fairy tale problem it's not a you know glass slipper princess problem it's like this kid who is just like seems like a regular kid and, and Goofy seems like a really cool dad who wants to bond with his kid, but they've got some problems with that. And, you know, funny stuff happens and all that. But it's interesting. I really recommend this movie a lot, especially if you've got a, a son or a daughter. I think it's a really cool film. The music's really great. Animation looks a little bit out of date because it's from a while ago. It's not the smoothest, uh, most well-produced film. Uh, but it's really underrated. I honestly think it's one of Disney's best movies. And along the same lines, um, somebody had informed me that there is, I guess, a certain contingent of the audience uh who thinks or who who say that this is uh like in some ways connects very strongly to the african-american or the black community and i I was never aware of that i'm not black myself i don't i didn't ever make that connection myself but uh there was an article written a while ago i think it was maybe one or two years ago 
uh, written by Jordan Calhoun. And I, I think I saw it on the Huffington Post, but I think it's been in other places too. And he wrote a really good article about how the Goofy movie really connects with him as a black person and how there's a lot of similar themes. So track that article down if that sounds interesting. Uh, and whether it does or not, I think the movie itself is really good. I think it's, it definitely deserves more accolades than it's gotten. And I would definitely recommend it to anybody uh, you know, you don't even have to be really a Disney fan. I think it's it's not quite the standard Disney movie. It's just it's just a really good movie to watch, especially with your kids. Uh, one other really quick shout out uh, for me. Uh, a couple days ago, one of our listeners, his name is Elio. He was listening to our show last week when we were talking about review scores, and he had done well. He listened to the show, so thank you for listening, Elio. <laughs> and uh, so step one, thank you for listening. He had crafted some kind of custom uh, program to go to Game Critics, and he like kind of like web crawled all of our reviews and like automatically compiled them to see like what our scores were because we were talking about how you know people uh, play games they like and they don't necessarily play the bad ones, and sometimes the scores are you know inflated and blah 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 all this stuff. Um, so he broke down all the scores for all the writers of Game Critics. I'm not going to go into the stats right now, but it was really interesting. Um, I will try to post those maybe on my blog, or I'll try to find a place to post those. Uh, and I'm not going to get the details, but it was really cool to see that, and just to see, like, who gave uh, how many 10s, who gave how many 8s, and, like, out of all the crew, it was really neat. So thank you very much, Elio, for doing that, and for sending that to us. That was really uh, fascinating to see, and some of those in- results were pretty interesting. I'll go into it when I post it, but... Uh, Anyway, I just want to say thanks for the effort. And that's pretty much all of the banter I have this week. I don't think I have anything else. No, I don't. I don't. I'm ready to move on. Corey, you ready to move on? Let's move on. Let's move on to questions and comments sent in by our faithful listeners. But before we get into these, I'd like to remind you all that if you want to hear your question or your comment or both on the show, all you got to do is hit us up on Twitter or send us an email. We will list specific contact info at the end of the show. So let's do it. Corey, you want to start us off with the first one? Sure, let's do it. Uh, our first question is actually a two-parter. Um, uh, comes from Austin Parkin, who is at BroodWars64 on the Twitters. And he says, uh, do you think the console gaming commentary space is too dominated by journalists who primarily game on PC? I'm getting tired of console chat seemingly always dominated by people going, well, I have a gaming PC, so I don't care. The major podcasts all do this. You want to go first? Uh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't really listen to other podcasts, which probably makes me like a bad podcaster, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of see where, um, where you're coming from Austin, because like, I mean, you know, like people who are PC gamers, they're kind of like CrossFitters and vegans. And that's like the only thing that I want to talk about <laughs> is like how much they play games on PC and how like their new PC that they built and how much money they bought. And they're like GX 50,000 428 graphics card that they just bought is like the newest one on the market and blah, blah, blah. Um, which is funny because everybody who's on my Twitter timeline, who's like a big PC gamer, um, about 70% of their tweets are about how games don't work correctly on their PC, which I think is always hilarious whenever that happens. Um, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, that luckily for Austin is that if you keep listening to the show, Brad and I are like not PC gamers in any way, shape or form. I play about 
one game on PC a year, if that. And it has to be a very specific kind of game because I don't have a gaming PC. I have a laptop and um, I don't do well with mouse and keyboard controls. Um, but uh, I mean, the, the truth is that a lot of games get developed for PC that never make it to consoles. And I don't know if this is specifically what, you, what you're talking about, Austin, but this is what I was thinking about whenever I read your question is that, that there's like... I mean, a bajillion more games available on PC than there are on consoles because um, I think it costs less to develop for PC um, and it costs more to develop for each console because if you develop for Sony, you have to pay X amount to get it licensed for Sony and the same thing for Xbox, you have to pay X amount to get it licensed and you know, the same thing with Nintendo. So you're basically paying extra money three times over if you're going to all three consoles or something like that. Um, whereas on PC, it's much more open. You can develop. It's cheaper. It's more open. You can even just develop a game and like put it out for free if you want. And you can't really do that on like a console. I mean, you could do like a free to play game, but that's not the same thing as just like releasing a game for free. Um, and uh, I mean, honestly, like at Game Critics, um, where Brad and I both write, uh, like anytime that uh, we there's an email that goes out that's like you know here's a list of games we've been getting from uh, from publishers that you know they'd like to review and it's like a review list email. I mean most of the time most of those games are on PC and I always like cry a little bit inside whenever I get those emails because I look through them and it's like oh it's PC game PC game PC game PC game and I can't uh, I can't review those at all because unless it's like a very simple game that is not complicated that I could play with my bad, um, like mouse and keyboard hands. Um, like I, there's no way I could even play it. So it's pretty disappointing for me as a console gamer that that's kind of the way it happens. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of how it is. There's, you know, a ton more games for PC out there. It's easier and cheaper to develop for PC and it's easier to release stuff on PC. So I can understand, but, um, I mean, if I don't know if Austin, if you're also talking about console exclusives, like I don't know if there's somebody out there on another podcast, like maybe they want to talk about like Horizon, for example, or Zero Dawn, and maybe the that the PC gamers on the podcast are like, oh well, I don't care about that game because it's not on PC. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, and I don't really have anything to address that. But um, everything I said before this is kind of what how I was thinking whenever I was reading through the question. Um, Brad, what what do you have a, a different take on it? Um, yeah, I mean, his question can be read a couple of different ways. So that's, uh, I, 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 regret, I regret not following up with him for clarification. So Austin, I'm sorry, I should have followed up with you. Um, so, uh, so as for me, I mean, I listen to a good number of podcasts, a lot of podcasts. Uh, but I got to say, I don't listen to very many if they talk a lot about PC. Like, I don't mind if they bring up some PC games. But if they start talking about, like, you know, the technical aspects of it, and they get really heavy into, like, just the PC-ness of it. Like, I stopped listening to those pretty quick. So I, after the last couple of years, I've kind of, like, self-selected to where the podcasts that I listen to, you know, they at least give console its fair due. Like, they don't gloss over it. It's not a secondary concern. Most of the ones that I listen to usually treat it about 50-50 or, or more. Or, you know, I definitely prefer ones that look at consoles more often. Um, so do I feel like the gaming commentary space is too dominated by people who primarily game on PC? I, I mean, I can't honestly say because I kind of, I just bounce off of those podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of the big, uh, most popular podcasts. I'm not going to name any. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to make enemies here or anything. I just, I just don't listen to those for various reasons. So the ones that I do listen to, I feel like I get a pretty good amount of console talk on them. So maybe you're just, maybe you need to just change up the ones you're listening to. And as far as, um... The issues that you raised, Corey, you know, I, it's true that we get a lot of P 
PC codes for review at Game Critics. We get way more PC codes than anything else, but I think that's just because it's easier for them to get the codes, and also, like you said, it's easier to develop, cheaper to develop, and so, like, a lot of times there's less overhead for them to get through. Uh, I don't play PC at all. I mean, it has to be a very, very special game for me to get it to play on PC for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, I don't like using mouse and keyboard. I hate it. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. I just, I just don't like it. Uh, also, it, it hurts my hands. Like, I don't know about you, but like, as, as being uh, the old guy that I am, um, and after a number of years, like in the beginning, it was fine. But after a while, it just, I just noticed it hurt my hands. Like, holding my hand a certain way and using the keyboard. It's just not comfortable. Don't like it. And I've tried different ergonomic solutions, but the easiest thing for me was to be like, fuck PC. And I'm just going to play controllers on consoles and controllers are fine. They don't hurt my hands at all. I can play all day long. It's not a big deal. So whatever it is about my arms or about the way my computer set up or whatever, um, I just, I just stay away from PC. I just don't like it. Also, uh, my PC is not in a place where I like to be for long periods of time. So I don't spend any time on that. So I just, I just, I don't care about PC. I mean, you, maybe you're listening to, to people who are talking about not caring about consoles. I'm the opposite. I don't care about PC. And in fact, I'm only really planning on maybe playing like maybe like one PC game this year and all the rest I'm going to be doing is going to be on one console or another. So I would say just find a different, different uh, podcast to listen to where they talk more about consoles you know so um i wish i could answer your question otherwise and hopefully we did answer your question but uh yeah that's my take man so uh cory now he had a he had a, a follow-up didn't he he did um his follow-up question is uh now and i quote because i want to make sure that i quote this perfectly he says now the vr has proven the commercial failure it was destined to be how soon do you think first party support dies and I have to be honest, whenever I read this question, I thought it was a little bit like rudely framed because I don't um, like I don't think VR was destined to be a commercial failure. And I'm not even sure that it is like, has anybody come out and like officially announced that it was a commercial failure? Because I looked up some of the numbers and this is the best I could find. Um, I read a Forbes piece from February uh, that said that the uh, Sony PSVR had sold... 915,000 units in the four months that it had been out. So it's rapidly approaching a million units uh, being sold. And that at the end of 2016, uh, 243,000 Oculus Rifts had been sold and about 420,000 HTC Vives had been sold so far. And according to a Variety article that I read, they... Um, said that by the end of 2017, VR revenue will reach uh, $7.17 billion. So, I mean, I'm not really sure that we can say that VR is a commercial failure, and we also have to consider the fact that VR is still very new. I mean, the oldest VR system, which was uh, the, I can't remember if it was the Rift or the Vive, um, has only been out for about a year. So, I mean, VR is very much in its infancy. Um, I don't really think we can call it a commercial success or a commercial failure. I mean, I think it's going to continue to grow. And as for the first party support, I mean, Sony out of the three like major VR systems that we're talking about, I feel like Sony is the only one that's really doing first party support because as far, because Oculus and HTC are both PC and I'm not, 
positive on this, but I don't think that Oculus and HTC like develop their own first party games. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel like they don't because it's on PC. Like I don't think Oculus is a game developer and I don't think HTC is a game developer, but I might be wrong on that because I'm not a PC gamer and I've only played like a handful of, uh, uh, of, uh, of VR games. Although I have played uh, Oculus and HTC, I have not played a Sony PSVR. But I think the thing, uh, as far as first-party support, if we're talking about uh, the PSVR, I think it'll come down to what happens at E3. I mean, E3 is only a couple weeks away. And, I mean, if Sony decides that they're going to really push VR, they will probably have a part of their show talking about PSVR and the games that are in development and, like, the, you know, maybe, like, the second, like, official wave of what all is coming out for VR. Or Sony can do what they've always done before, like they did with the PSP and like they did with the PS Vita and like they did with the, uh, the touch motion controls and like they did with the PlayStation I and they can just act like they never built the thing in the first place and act like they never sold it and just forget about it and basically not support it that much from a first party stance. So I think that E3 will be a huge indicator on how Sony's feeling about PSVR and how much they're going to keep supporting it in the future, which I mean, hopefully they will be supporting it a lot considering they've probably at this point already sold about a million units. Um, but, uh, I don't know, Brad, that's, those were kind of my thoughts after some of the research I did. Uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's too soon to call because as you said, it's in its infancy. I think that's very true. I think it's still a growing medium, a growing technology. Uh, although, so a couple things I don't, Honestly, I don't think that VR is really going to find its permanent home with gaming, at least in the form that it's in now, uh, where you strap on helmets and just kind of play, you know, XYZ games. I just, something about that just doesn't seem like that's going to really take off in the home environment for me. Like maybe as uh, a place that you go to, maybe in certain areas that are set up for that experience, or maybe the technology just needs to improve to where... Maybe at some point you're not even wearing a helmet. Maybe it's something else. I mean, I don't know. But also, I think that there's something about VR itself that is just, it's cool. I mean, I've tried it. I've played some games and stuff. But at the same time, I, I don't want to play all my games that way. I don't want to, you know, every time I want to sit down in front of a console, I don't want that to be it. So I think it's just going to be its own thing. And I think that expecting it to be huge and that everybody's got a VR, I, I don't think that's really where it's going to end up. So... That's one thing. And also, kind of going along with that, I, I think that it's interesting that as far as I know, and Corey, please feel free to correct me or if you disagree, chip in. Uh, but I haven't heard of any VR game where it sounds like, oh, if you are a games critic and you care about the medium, you need to play this game. Like, this is an important game in VR. You've got to try this. Like, I haven't heard of anything where it makes me say, oh, geez, oh, I got to get on this VR thing because of this game. I mean, I've heard of a number of games that are neat or that they are, you know, you know, they do something interesting or they're fun for a little while. But uh, most people that I talk to are kind of along the same lines of where they're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But I, I played it for about half an hour and then I took it off and had to take a break or it was cool. But, you know, it was fine. And they're just they seem like they're just as fine playing a regular TV setup. So, yeah, I mean, I it's a little weird to me that I haven't heard of anything that really seems worth exploring as a critic. But then again, again, it's just really early. Although at the same time, you would think that people would have better ideas than just doing first person shooting 
and you know grabbing stuff in 3d so i i'm not saying that it's never going to happen i mean there could be an amazing app announced this e3 an amazing game where that will make me want to buy a vr headset but so far i just it just seems like this really kind of quirky novelty where the hardcore people who are interested about the interested and excited for the technology go um how soon do i think first party support is going to die soon probably pretty soon because as Corey mentioned uh sony i think is the only person who's really doing first party stuff and they've got a horrific horrific track record of supporting their peripherals they do a pretty good job of supporting the console but everything else around it whether it's the the vita the psp the uh itoy if anybody remembers that i'm sure they've had a couple other things too some different uh venues for getting games like psp minis and a few other things uh, they do terrible. I don't even understand what's even going through their heads. And I, I have a very strong suspicion that VR is going to fall into that same uh, bucket. So I haven't heard of anything cool in the pipe. I haven't heard of anything, anybody working on anything. And I, you know, being in the critical circles that I'm in, I tend to get whispers of things. Like maybe I don't get like the world's, you know, first exclusive scoop, but, you know, people talk. I know people. People say things. They say, oh, did you hear about this? Oh, did you hear about this? I haven't heard jack shit about anything for vr like usually what i hear is people saying hey i made a really good game and i put it on vr or hey i'm making this vr game but it's also on ps4 you know regular ps4 so i i'm not hearing anybody having anything really cool in the pipe which is a little bit concerning to me uh and you know if anybody is going to be invested in this thing it's got to be sony i believe that they are the leader so far and if they don't have much in the pipe as far as first party goes that's really really concerning to me so uh, to roundabout long-winded answer your question, I think it's too soon for VR. I think that it's, its final resting place is not going to be home usage. And I do think that first-party support is going to die probably sooner than later. Uh, and I think that ultimately VR is going to end up being something else uh, or it's just going to be kind of a niche. So hopefully I answered your question. Corey, anything else to add? Uh, I would just maybe offer the slight um i don't know if i'd even call this an argument that maybe like the slight bit of input that as far as like a killer app for vr goes i mean i might be a little bit biased because i do love this game but i would say it's probably super hot vr because that came out and it was exclusive to oculus but it actually launched on htc vive um like on thursday i think so it is officially on uh, everywhere but PSVR because I don't know what the deal is going on with the Superhot team, but I'm assuming that they assigned some kind of exclusive contract with uh, Microsoft because Superhot, the original Superhot, is on Xbox One and it's not on PS4, which is very sad. Um, but I'm hoping that at some point it will become not exclusive anymore and it'll come to, and Superhot will come to PS4, but it will, and then Superhot VR will come to PSVR because that just makes perfect sense but i mean as far as what i've played and what i have heard of um super hot vr which is a separate game from super hot proper um is probably the biggest like killer app on vr so far yeah i love super hot super hot is a good game and i have heard that vr is a slightly different thing so i mean I, you know best of luck to the super hot team um but yeah i mean maybe maybe that's gonna do it maybe not i don't know but yeah i'm not hearing of anything where people who play that are like, oh my God, everybody in the world needs to play this right now. This is amazing. Like, you know, kind of like when um, Breath of the Wild came out. I mean, that was like the, the positive waves coming off of that thing would just, 
bowling over the gamosphere, right? Like everybody in the world was just like, you know, effusive with praise and everybody was saying nothing but good things. I haven't heard anything at all similar um, about any VR. Like, you know, it's this is neat, this is neat, this is whatever. But, you know, eh, it's kind of like what I'm getting right now. I mean, give it time, though. We'll see. We'll see. So um, let's move on to the next question. And this is uh, kind of related. So I lumped these two together because they were on the same topic and I would like to answer them both. Um, so first question comes from Jeremy Fowler, who is J monster on Twitter. Uh, my homeboy from back in the day, one of my best monster hunting buddies, really cool guy. Awesome guy. I love Jeremy. Uh, he says monster hunter on switch with three DS crossplay online thoughts. So that's the first question. And that is, I'm going to, I'm going to lump that together with our good, uh, friend, William, whose name we cannot pronounce. It's like Sione, Sione boy. William, you got to tell us how to pronounce this, dude. We've, we've said your name like four times on the show, at least. And you got to tell us how to pronounce this. And he is at WSionNW <laughs> on Twitter. But his name is William. He says, and I, I believe this is directed at me because he knows my history. He says, you're going to buy one Switch or two for Monster Hunter. So, okay, I'll just jump in and answer these at the same time. So... Initial thoughts on Monster Hunter. It's it just released in Japan, or it's about to release. I can't remember if it's already out, but it's called Monster Hunter XX or Cross. What I, They say Cross, but it's an X. I don't know what they call it. Monster Hunter XX on uh, the Switch and 3DS Crossplay. What are my thoughts on the Crossplay? Okay, so Crossplay is when one person can be on one platform and another person can be on a different platform and they can play together. So in this particular case, people who buy the new Monster Hunter on 3ds can play on 3ds they can play with people who are playing on the switch so i think as a concept and as function for people who are fans i think crossplay is in by itself just as a thing is really good i support crossplay i think that's great more people should do it um in terms of this particular case uh i gotta be honest with you guys i was not the biggest fan of monster hunter x which is called generations in the states i didn't think it was that great of a game um, I think a lot of it, there were some neat additions to the formula, but Monster Hunter is a really long running series. And a lot of the content in Monster Hunter Generations was just repeat stuff. Uh, I, I had seen a lot of it before. I had, I had fought these monsters before. I had made that armor before. I had used these weapons before. It wasn't a total rehash, but like a lot of that game was stuff I had already been through multiple times, like two or three times. So it's not like I just did it once and didn't want to do it again. I mean, like multiple times. So my other big problem with Generations was that it was on the 3DS. I think that system is not robust enough to host the game the way that it should be played. I'm really disappointed that Nintendo somehow got the rights to Monster Hunter. It used to be on Sony systems, and I thought it was a great fit for Sony. I think it is not a great fit for Nintendo systems, uh, especially the 3DS. I think it is very poor on the 3DS because the 3DS is not strong enough. Uh, I'm sure that the Switch is stronger than the 3DS, but if the 3DS is going to cross-play with the Switch... I can only assume that means that the Switch version is going to be somewhat approximate to the 3DS version, and I did not like the 3DS version when it came out as Generations. I thought it was it was already hamstrung by the technology. It didn't look good enough. It didn't control good enough. I just I just wanted a beefier system. It needs to be played on something that's stronger. If it was a Switch only game, I would be more excited about that. But you know, of course, I don't even know how many copies of Generations or X got sold. I don't even know how many people have 3DSs, probably a shitload, and they don't want to lose those people. I get it. Like, I get it. But at the same time, 
I got to be honest, guys, like I still love Monster Hunter, but I want it to move forward and I feel like it's not moving forward right now. I need it to move forward a little bit more for me. If this is basically just generations again with a little bit more paint on top and that's it, like I'm not really going to be into it. So that kind of leads me answer or leads, leads me answer. It leads me answer, leads me to answer the second part of the question uh, from William, who says, are you going to buy one switch or two for Monster Hunter? That may be confusing. But to give a little backstory, uh, you know, so I am a Monster Hunter fan. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not a fan because I am hardcore fan. But when Monster Hunter came out for the Wii U, that was Monster Hunter. Oh, God, what was it? Monster Hunter 4 uh, Ultimate, I believe, if my memory serves. Uh, I'm a big Monster Hunter fan. My wife is a big Monster Hunter fan. She is equally the Monster Hunter fan that I am. And so when I saw how good it was on the Wii U, which I think is... I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I'm not a Wii U fan, uh, but I actually own two because I bought one for me and I bought one for my wife so that we could both play together. Uh, and a lot of people thought I was fucking crazy for doing that. But if, you know, we had spent hundreds of hours playing Monster Hunter together, that was a, a good investment. I didn't get much more use out of it, but it was good for that. So his question is kind of referring to that. and He's asking if I'm going to get one Switch or two for the next Monster Hunter. As of right now, nothing. I'm not planning to get the Switch for Monster Hunter. In fact, I'm not really even planning to play this new Monster Hunter, which may sound crazy, but like I said, I'm guessing it's just going to be another, you know, a lot of repeat content with a little bit of paint on top, and I'm just, I'm not down for that. I mean, of course, if that changes, if it turns out to be a real step forward, I'll jump aboard, but as of right now, no plans. Um, I do eventually want to get a Switch, but not right now, maybe by Christmas time or maybe a little bit later, but uh, not going to buy one for this game unless it turns out to be amazing, so... Corey, I don't think you are much of a Monster Hunter guy, are you? No, I am not equipped to answer this question in any way, shape, or form. Any thoughts on crossplay as a concept? Uh, it's fine, I guess, as long as it's like works well on both systems. Controversial opinion. Controversial. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> All right, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, William. And William, please tell us how to pronounce that. Uh, Corey, you want to take the next one? Yeah, this is from Jim Bevan, who is JimB85 on Twitter, says, Do you think there will be any huge reveals at E3 this year, or do you expect it to be mostly mediocre? Brad, do you want to... I can, I can feel this one. Yeah, let me, let me take this one first. Go first? Uh, All right. Easy answer, easy answer. Do I think there will be any huge reveals at E3 this year? Well, Jim, uh, if you talk to PR people who are going to E3... Every single game is a huge reveal at E3. Huge. It's all huge. Everything is bigger, huger, more important than the last. If you listen to PR people. Um, yeah. If you see some of these emails that come through ridiculously hyperbolic, it's kind of, it's kind of silly. So are there going to be huge reveals? I, according to my email, there's going to be many huge reveals. Do I actually think there's going to be huge reveals? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I'm not expecting anything big. I haven't heard whispers of anything big. I think maybe people are still kind of um, holding their breath a little bit because of what the final situation is going to be for the PS Pro and for the Scorpio. I think, you know, we're getting these kind of like mid-generation upgrade consoles, which is the first time that's ever happened. And so I think people are kind of waiting to see how that shakes down. The Switch is still kind of a, a new thing. It seems to be doing really well. So I think people are kind of waiting to see how that plays out. If there's going to be any huge reveals at E3, I feel like the biggest ones are, might be for the Switch. Uh, but in general, I think this is going to be kind of one of those years where we're all just kind of uh, 
I don't want to say treading water, but I think we're all kind of just hedging our bets a little bit. I'm not expecting anything huge, uh, personally. So, Corey, what do you think, man? Well, I feel like the last... Like, I'm not really one of those people who gets, like, hyped up about things very easily. So, I feel like most of the time, whenever E3 comes around, it's usually just, like, pretty, like, mediocre... Or it'll be like, if there is a big game reveal, it'll be something that I like don't care about in any way, shape or form. Like that's usually what happens if there's like, you know, say like, like, oh, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, it's revealed. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't care. Like it's usually just stuff that I don't really care about that much because all of the stuff that I would get really, really excited about would probably be stuff that would never, ever happen. Like if if Sega said they were doing like Condemned 3 or if Capcom said they were doing like Dino Crisis 4, like that's the kind of stuff that's like really outrageous that would never happen that would get me excited. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, I never go into E3 expecting very much. And even like with the state of like people on social media and like their commentary on video games. Like usually I don't even really check Twitter that much over like over the E3 period, because like even if stuff that's like kind of exciting is announced or even like elaborated on, like all people on the internet want to do is just like be assholes about it. So it's like not even really worth keeping up on. So I just, I don't know. I don't really look forward to e3 as much uh as i maybe did whenever i was like i don't know like 18 or 19 or something and i mean if cool stuff's revealed then great but it would probably take some very interesting stuff to get me like super duper hyped about any big reveals at e3 all right there you have it jim hopefully we answered your question uh thank you for that question and thank you to everybody who sent in uh questions this week love to get your questions Love talking about this stuff. Thank you guys very, very much. And hopefully you feel like we did it justice. And that is going to do it for Q&A this week. Uh, And again, if you guys have a question or a comment, uh, contact info coming up at the end of the show. And that brings us to the main event. The stuff that I assume everyone's been waiting for, at least I hope so. (laughs) The actual uh, game, what we've been playing, chat. Uh, let's see. We've got, uh, kind of a light, light agenda this week. Not, uh, the lightest we've ever had. Certainly not the heaviest we've ever had. Uh, I think we've both been kind of busy, but we do have some stuff to talk about. Corey, do you want to, do you want to kick us off with a Headlander update? Indeed. Uh, last week I talked about starting Headlander and, um, I played a little bit more of it. I think like yesterday, um, I have been really busy this week. Well, I, I mean, I guess kind of busy, but every time like, I think about new games that I need to play to talk about on the podcast because like, you know, I mean, you don't think about ha- playing a lot of games until you have a po- a weekly podcast and you have to like talk about video games every week. Like finding something new to play every single week is not really that easy. And it's also far less easy if you like don't have a bunch of disposable income and you don't want to buy like a new $60 game every week. So, and I made the stupid uh, decision to... Um, I put freaking Prey on my Gamefly queue, and then I got a review copy, and then three days later, Gamefly emailed me, and they're like, we're sending Prey to you, and I was like, son of a bitch, so like, I could have gotten a different game, but I forgot to take Prey off my Game queue, so I waited like four days for it to come in the mail, and then literally pulled it out of the mailbox, resealed the envelope, and put it right back in the mailbox, so that's another reason why I haven't played anything new, but I did play some more Headlander, um... I'm kind of getting to the point in Headlander where, 
like, I think, Brad, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about whenever I say this. Like, I'm getting to the point in the game where I, I don't value my time enough with the game to put up with how difficult it is. And I think I'm on that, that like, last straw with the game where I think I'll pick it up, like, one more time. And if it, like, really kind of goes somewhere that one last time, then I will probably continue playing it. But it might not. Because I got to a section where you are in this... There's, like, a, a person on the space station who... She's called, like, the Killer Queen or something like that. Oh, hey, Corey, before you go further, not to cut you off, but do you want to give a quick update of what this is in case people missed last episode? Oh, yeah, yeah. Headlander is a double fine and adult swim uh, side-scrolling, like, retro-futuristic shooter um, where you play as a head that's, like, encased in, like, a little sort of, like, spacesuit helmet kind of thing. And you can um, rocket off of uh, bodies, and the whole space station is... Um, inhabited by robots and you can like suck their like the heads off their robot bodies or you can like shoot they you, like most of the bodies have laser guns for arms or one of their arms you can like shoot the heads off their bodies and then you can land on their heads um, hence the name headlander for the game and you can like run around as a side-scrolling shooter as the robot body or you can like fly around as the head and um and i mean basically it's just sort of like a metroidvania but it, it came out like last july so it's all it's been out for almost a year um was that sufficient update brad i think that is an excellent update thank you very much and please continue sir uh cool cool and i've only played it for like two to three hours so i'm not even like super duper deep into it but i got to a part where so so like the point of the game like i just said is you like are, are the head like the head is your permanent thing in the game and you can land on anybody's body and there's a lot of like action going on in the game where like basically the bodies that you're in like get damaged and blow up pretty quickly and then you have to like rocket off the body and then land on a different body and you know inhabit that for a couple of minutes and blah 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 but i got to a point where i'm in this like chess like uh, game kind of thing. Oh, yes. I remember this section well. Yeah, you have to like... So the point of this section is you're in like a game show kind of thing and you have to inhabit a certain body type in order to download information from a certain kind of um, like, like node or something. And... You have to, you download the, the data and then you have to go make it through like this one really long hallway and get the body there without it blowing up to upload the data on like the other end of the hallway. And it's really hard. Like I'm having a really hard time with this section because I'm like the, the first body that I picked up to do the download is one that's like on wheels and he doesn't have a laser gun for an arm, but he has like really strong punches and he can like deflect some lasers with like his little arm shield. But it's, it's just like really hard. Like I'm, I keep so, side scrolling down this, this hallway and it's just like waves of enemies coming at me and I can defeat most of them with one punch, but you can't run past them and there's no jump button. So there's no kind of like really like evade scenario you basically just have to keep going forward and like punching their heads off and then go forward and punch their heads off meanwhile they're like shooting at you like crazy and like i died a couple times uh playing it i think it was like yesterday morning and it, it was just i kind of got to the point where i was like you know that this is like too hard for me to still be interested in the game like if i were really enjoying the game i would put up with the difficulty of it and like try to think of ways to like 
maybe get better at it or maybe try like this other strategy that maybe I hadn't thought of before or something like that. But it, I'm just like, I'm not enjoying the game enough to put up with the difficulty of this section. So I might give it like one more shot. And if it, and if it maybe if I like pass the section or if I think of like a different strategy or something like that, or maybe I can buy like some upgrades because I'm one of those gamers who like, I'll have like 30 upgrade points in my inventory and like won't use them unless I like absolutely need them. So maybe I need to like use some of my upgrade points or something like that. But the section is just not really that fun and it's really irritating and I just don't really feel like putting up with it anymore. Yeah, I was kind of afraid you were going to get to that point. I think the <laughs> game starts off pretty well, like style wise. It's got a cool style. It's got a cool concept. I think like, being a head that can like change bodies and you have a little rocket strapped to your neck stump, I guess <laughs> is, is a pretty cool thing. Um, but yeah, it, that section you're describing that chessboard area is awful. It is awful. I hate that section. It is not good. Um, it's one of the worst in the game. And I don't want to say like, once you get past that, it's all good. Cause it's not like, I mean, there's <laughs> other parts that are equally as bad. Uh, but that part was particularly awful. But that's kind of what you can look forward to for the rest of the experience. I mean, it, it doesn't really change much based on what you've seen so far. It just kind of gets more intense. There's a lot more backtracking to find keys for doors and that kind of thing. I mean, if you're not into it now, I cannot imagine that you are going to come across anything that's going to change your mind later on. Like the story doesn't get better. The action doesn't get better. It's unfortunate, too, because I think if it had been easier or if they had just really, really dialed back on the combat... Like, it would be a pretty cool game to just blast through in a weekend, you know, just kind of just like the style. You chuckle a little bit at some of the writing. It's it's fine. Uh, you know, that, that would be good enough. But they just really went overboard on the combat. And, uh, you know, eventually you'll get to a part where it's just like constantly like locked doors and you're just like going back and forth trying to get past. It's really, really suck. So it's a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up finishing that game. And by the time I got done with it, I was like, I'm I'm done with this. Like, I was really done with it. I... I did not enjoy it uh, at the end anywhere near as much as I enjoyed it at the beginning, which is really sad. So uh, let us know how you do, Corey. I would be kind of surprised if you finished it, though, because really it's just more of the same. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling I'm not going to finish it. And something else that I thought about um, while, you, while you were talking is um, uh, this game, like it, it does one of those things where it, like, it kind of like checkpoints you after every like room you walk into, which is fine. You know, that's OK, but... Earlier, I was on a section where you, like, enter a pretty big room, and usually the room has, like, a couple of, like, little elevator pieces in it, or it's, like, very kind of, like, maze-like, and there are these, like, power crystals that you have to, uh, like, either, like, blow up or, like, get out of their, like, little power sockets, and it's the kind of scenario where there would be maybe, like, four sockets in one room, and it would take, like, I don't know, like... 10 minutes to get all the sockets like uh, there are like the jewel the power jewels out of their sockets and then i would like die getting back to the exit of the room but because technically i had never left the room in the first place i would respawn at the beginning of the room and all of the power like jewel things would be back and it happened like several times earlier and i was just getting really irritated because like it takes a lot of like thoughtful planning it's it's almost like hotline miami where it's like it's like you can try to be really thoughtful and plan and like be strategic and then you can make it 90% of the way through and then die. And then you have to start the whole room over again with like all of your progress lost. And I was just like, you know, this is like not 
very pleasing game design for me. Like, it's just too difficult. I don't really have the patience for it. And I mean, kudos to everybody out there who does have the kind of patience for this thing. But yeah, it's just like another thing in that game where I was just like, wow, like I got, you know, three out of four jewels dismantled in this room and then I died and now I have to do it all over again. And I'm just really not here for that. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. I mean, it got a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of love when it first came out, but it dropped off the radar pretty quick. And I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find anybody who had a whole lot good to say about it at this point. I think the, the gloss is as long since worn off and it's just kind of, it's kind of just an annoying game at heart, honestly. So I don't <laughs> know. Uh, let's see, let's uh, jump ahead. I have a quick update uh, this week. Last week I talked about rhyme R I M E from Spanish developer Tequila Works. And at that time I was still under embargo. So I was speaking about it only in a preview sense uh, the embargo has since lifted, and I actually have already written my review. It's not up at Game Critics yet, but uh, it probably will be up by the time you're listening to this. If it's not, it'll be up the next day. It's coming up really soon. It was a really easy one to write. Uh, so I wrapped it up earlier today. And So uh, before I give my final judgment on it, uh, I just want to say this is, the, this is the game where you start off as a, a boy who washes up on an island. It is... Uh, half exploratory half puzzle based and the puzzles are very like environmental uh there's no combat in the game at all it's just walking around seeing things uh you know enjoying the atmosphere uh finding puzzles and then you know solving those puzzles to move forward uh no dialogue in the game there's no talking there's no voice work there's no text it's just all graphics and music and you know actions that happen uh, I think last week I described it as Eco plus The Witness, and I think uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty good ballpark for that to be in. Um, so, I, like I said, I finished it earlier today, and I think it was wonderful. I thought it was just lovely. Loved every minute of it. Um, it was a on the short side. Uh, I think you could probably extend that by searching for some of the collectibles. There's a, a slew of collectibles if you want to get them. They're all non-essential. They're just flavor. You don't need any of them for anything. Uh, but I think it's probably like an eight hour game, maybe less. So it's a real, very reasonable amount of time. There's like zero fat on the game. There's nothing, nothing in there that like wastes your time. Uh, you know, like I said, unless you want to go search for that stuff, you totally don't need to. The game is constantly like telling you, uh, you know, where to go and how to move on and stuff like that. But I really liked it. I thought the graphics were um, really well done. Very artistic, very beautiful, lots of rich color. Uh, the water effects I thought were kind of amazing. Like, it sounds weird to say, but like, there's this one part where it's raining and I just thought it looked so fucking good. Like the rain coming down. Uh, it was just gorgeous. Uh, the music is phenomenal. Like this orchestral music is so good. Not the kind of person who usually gushes about music, but it was really, really good. I mean, this is the, this is the kind of music where I'm like, oh, I wonder if they have a soundtrack. I would love to get the soundtrack. And for me, that's really, really rare. Like, I don't say that very often. Um, more than that, though, I, I really like the puzzle design. I think the puzzles are great because they're simple in that they're, you don't need to collect a bunch of doodads or anything. And then usually each puzzle can be solved where you find it. Like you don't need to cross the map to find something and then bring it back. Or there's not like multiple switches spread across a level. Like when you find a puzzle, usually you can just solve it like right then and there if you can solve it. Um, and they're not they're not super hard. There were definitely a couple places where I had to scratch my head a little bit and I got a little bit slowed down, but they're not meant to be like these really tough puzzles. They're there to kind of like let you pause, 
take in the situation, think about what you're doing, and then just kind of move on. Like they just, you know, they're there to kind of spice up the experience, but they're not there to like be really mentally taxing. And that's fine. Like, I think this is a really beautiful short experience. I would be really irritated if I got stuck for like a long time and was not able to progress the story because uh, I was just really interested to see how it turned out. Um, since it's such a short story and so much of the game is about the experience and about discovering things, I don't want to spoil anything. So I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, but there is definitely kind of a twist or kind of a left turn at the end of the game. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was good. There's a couple different ways to interpret what happens. I'm not entirely sure which way I want to interpret what happened, but either way, I thought it was fine. I felt very satisfied by the end and I thought it was good. I've heard other people say that they felt like it didn't land for them. Uh, you know, uh, your mileage may vary. I thought it was I thought it was well done. And I think especially if you interpret it one particular way, it makes more sense than the other. But, uh, you know, who's to say? Like, I don't know. The developers don't make it clear. I think they're intentionally ambiguous about that, which is fine. But it's 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 not leaving you hanging. I think there's more than enough to where you feel like the game is wrapped up. Like, it's not a big question mark. So that's good. But overall, I just I just thought it was just really delightful, uh, beautiful to look at, beautiful to hear, uh, really fun to play. And it just had just so much atmosphere and style. It was, just, it was just really great. I mean, it was exactly what I wanted after a year. This year we've had has had so many huge games, so many open world games, so many massive undertakings that feel like work and to play something where. It didn't require a huge time commitment. It was very interested in keeping things moving forward, where it was about the feeling and the experience and not about how many collectibles there were and about, you know, how many quests I had in my quest log. It was great to just take a break and do something that was like this. So I really, really liked it a lot. My review when it goes up will be extremely favorable. And, I, you know, as of right now, I mean, of course, we're still very early in the year. But as of right now, like it is it is pretty much a lock for my top 10 for the year. I, I think it's going to be in the top 10. Corey, interested in this title? Are you interested at all? What do you think? You know, I think I actually am because last week, whenever you're we talking about it, I, I mean, I definitely thought it looked interesting, but I didn't really know if I would want to play it or not, because I think that like watching the trailers online, it looks a lot like Zelda and, but you had made it clear on the last episode that it's definitely like not a Zelda game. And the fact that you um, confirmed this week that there is no combat in it actually like increases my interest in it. Like knowing that there's no combat and knowing that the puzzles can all be solved like like you said, like in the area that they're in and that there's no like big like fetch quests or big like like ridiculous puzzles that you have to like run all over the island to solve. Um, that uh, that actually increases my interest a lot in this game. Um, do you know? I don't know if you know this, but do you know if this has a disc release that I could like gamefly it on? That is a good question. I want to say yes. I think that there is, but I am not one hundred percent sure. But I think that there is, um, and we can probably confirm that uh, before the end of the podcast. We'll get that information. We'll do. We'll we'll send our research team out, and they will get the information and bring it back to us quickly I will give you I will give you and the listeners um, a little bit of a pro tip I was after I had finished the game and I after I had written my review I was curious to see what other people had thought about it and as I usually do I went to to Metacritic love Metacritic uh, and I, I was looking at the the low scores to see what people were complaining about and one of the things that people had dinged it for 
Uh, but some people felt like they got lost in the levels. Now, I did not have that problem. I didn't think uh, that was an issue. But some people were like, oh, the levels are not distinct enough when you're in them and you don't know which way to go. Which kind of was curious to me because I feel like if you take a minute and look around, like really look around, like you look at the skyline, sometimes there will be like a glowing light in the distance and that's where you're supposed to go. Or sometimes there's like a really, really big, obvious kind of like landmark where it's like, huh. That's really weird. That's a giant, weird fucking windmill. I bet I should probably go there because there's nothing else around. Let's go see, you know. It's stuff like that where it's like, it, I, I guess I'm not exactly clear of why they were so lost. Um, one thing that could happen, and, and this is kind of the pro tip besides looking around, there's a little fox in the game and he'll show up every once in a while and he leads you, he keeps you on the main path. If you are not interested in looking for collectibles and they don't really do anything, like a bunch of them are just stuff just to say that you collected them and some of them unlock costumes. Although I got to say, I don't think anybody is probably going to want to replay this once you're done with it. It seems like kind of a one and done to me. Um, but if you don't care about the costumes or the extras and you just want to play the game, just follow the Fox. The Fox keeps you on the main track all the time. He'll catch your attention. And if you're off track, I mean, he'll bark and you can kind of look around for him. And as long as you follow the Fox, you will never get lost. And if you do get lost for some reason, just look around. I think most I, like, I'm trying to think of any level where I was super lost, and I just wasn't. I never got lost. So maybe I just got lucky, or maybe other people were not paying enough attention to the environments, but um, I don't think that is really a huge issue. And in fact, I kind of think it's a little bit of the point in one of the levels where it's like, it's meant to be that way. So I don't know why people are upset about that, but it was not an issue for me. And now that you've heard my tips, it will not be an issue for you. I have just received word from the research team that it is available on Gamefly. So, yes, there is a disc release for it. Excellent. Excellent. I'm very glad to hear that because uh, that is the perfect thing. That sounds awful. I don't want to say it's the perfect thing to Gamefly because I <laughs> I want these people to get paid for their work. But uh, I'm very glad that people who prefer to play games on disc will have that option. I would like I would like as many people to play this as want to play it. So that's good news. So thank you, crack research team. That's all I have to say on Rhyme, though. Any any last questions, or should we jump into the next topic, Corey? Uh, I think we can jump in, although it might be worth noting that um, it's not out yet, right? But isn't uh, Rhyme is coming to the Switch, right? Yes, it is out, I believe, for PC, PS4, and I think Xbox One. I, they said it's coming to the Switch, as far as I know, but it's not out yet. I believe it's coming maybe summer or fall or, you know, but upcoming. So if you are a Switch owner... And you want more things to play on your Switch, this would be a great fit for that. And it is it is coming, so there you go. Cool, cool. That's just something I wanted to give a shout-out to. But I think uh, I think that's it. I will uh, put this on my Gamefly queue, and whenever they decide to send it, I will definitely jump into it and play it. Yeah, I'm curious to hear, because uh, I think there's just enough walking simulator here to capture <laughs> you. So let us, let us know how that goes. Now, uh, we've got one more topic before the end of the show, and I'm very interested to talk about this with you, sir, because... This is one that we both agreed we would play beforehand. We both uh, spent time on this so that we could have a very informed back and forth conversation. Corey, this is kind of in your wheelhouse, though. You want to start us off? Uh, sure. We are going to discuss a I and I came upon this game totally like by accident. Every once in a while, I jump on the PS4, the PSN on the PS4, and I just go to the new game section and just see if anything interesting has come out lately. Um, because a lot of games hit the PSN that are like not publicized in any way, shape, or form. So it's always nice to see you know games that you haven't heard of or little surprises and stuff. 
this totally falls under it. This game is called Deliriant. And uh, I saw it on PSN. I had no clue what it was. But the thing that really caught my eye is that whenever I clicked on the little tile that takes you to like the game, like where it has the about and like the trailers and the screenshots and stuff, this game is only 99 cents. And I don't think it's like a launch sale thing. I think this game's literally just 99 cents all the time, unless there's some kind of like bug in the PSN that they like overlooked or something. Um, so, you know, basically I will try any game for 99 cents, like just about. And I was like, oh, interesting. Let me uh, pick this up for that steep old price of 99 cents and, you know, see what it's all about. This game is developed by Manic Interactive. I believe it is their debut game. Um, it is a, I mean, it is like a walking simulator ass walking simulator and it was billed, I can't remember exactly what it was billed as on the PSN, like as a, as like a short, like narrative game where you have to like look at stuff and sort of like the more exploring you do and the more like replaying you do, the more you'll understand um, like what kind of the story is going on. But it is basically a game where you start out its first person uh, narrative game where it launches you into this like white room, like a totally white area, and you turn through the environment until you see a door, and then you go through the door, and it sort of like teleports you into this house. And it's a two-story house. It is not populated by anyone. It's just like, it's almost like you, you're in their house like after everybody's gone, or maybe like some sort of like bomb went off that disintegrates people or something, and you just like look through their stuff, you have to um, kind of figure out, like, who lives there, what they do, um, try to kind of figure out if there's anything interesting going on within the family. It's it's sort of like you're just exploring their house, basically. And it takes place in the 70s, which is obvious because it's, like, it's very, like, Brady Bunch-looking uh, with, like, ridiculous wallpaper in every room and like shag carpet and um you know very like uh what's it called like mid-century modern kind of furniture but not like today's like the way it actually was then where it's all very like wooden and stuff like that and you basically explore the house and there's a lot of stuff that you can pick up in the in the areas like you can go in the kitchen you can pick up a knife you can look at it you can pick up like recipe books um and you can go upstairs, there's like, uh, you know, the, the master bedroom, there's like a children's room, um, there's like an office that's kind of creepy, and there, whenever I played it, I found it very interesting, because it, it, the game sort of like has this feeling, and I played it with headphones on, and there's like, there's not really like music there, I mean, there's music in it, but it's more of like a like kind of like a pulsating, like grinding noise almost, and it makes you feel like that maybe something not so good happened in this house or maybe like you shouldn't be exploring the house, but you are like, maybe you're like a robber or something. Um, and so it kind of lends itself to this like brief intensity of like what's going on in this house and you're trying to figure out. Um, and the thing that is kind of weird is that like once you explore a certain amount of stuff in every room, the walls start, the wallpaper on the wall starts like shifting and moving and maybe like uh, 
I, I don't know, like moving, I guess is the right word, where it kind of looks like the wallpaper is like cascading down the walls. And it kind of like makes you think that maybe you're like going crazy or, or maybe like, I don't know, you're like drugged or something. And after you explore all the rooms, um, there is like a hole that starts forming in the entryway of the house. And after you explore all the rooms, uh, you go, you can like go into the hole. It's very like Silent Hill 4-esque. And you go down this like cascading sort of like set of stairs, but it's not stairs. It's like, it's like pieces of the house, like pieces of the floor and pieces of the wallpaper. And you're just like standing in this void and they like start forming under your feet as you're walking down this like cascading like like uh, items that you go down like a, a faux staircase and then you get to the bottom of the staircase and then more or less the game is kind of over and then it like invites you to go back in to explore it again to maybe see if there's anything that you missed or maybe any like uh, things about the environment that maybe you can get a better idea of the family that live there and like how they acted and what happened to them. It reminds me a tiny, tiny bit of her story in the sense that you you kind of play the game in your head. Like the game doesn't say, hey, this is what this game is about, or hey, this is the problem you have to face, or, you know, hey, this is how you win. You just sort of like explore the house and then you decide in your head what kind of people live there and whether you should feel as creeped out as you feel when you're in the house or if it's just all like kind of silly. And, and that's pretty much it. Um, I, I have a feeling that I explained this much more thoroughly than Brad would have. And I also have a feeling that I liked this game a whole lot more than you, Brad. So what do you think? I'm, I'm dying <laughs> to hear you shit all over this game. Oh, I, I got a full tummy. My <laughs> tummy is really full, Corey. <laughs> I, oh, God, I, okay, so, like, I I don't want to be that guy, but, like, I was, it started off really on the wrong foot, and I was, like, when you, when you so, like you said, you, you said when you begin the game, the screen is totally white. Like, I thought the game was glitched. <laughs> I, I was sitting there, like, what the hell is going on? Like, the entire screen is white. There's nothing on the screen. I pushed all the buttons, nothing, you know, I thought maybe, like, you know, your eyes would wake up or something like your eyes would open or something or something would happen or, or maybe it was loading. I couldn't tell if it was loading. I'm like, what's going on? Nothing. And you're, and so I sent you a message. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on with this? And you're like, oh, turn around. And I'm like, oh, because I did hold to the side, but nothing. I didn't hold long enough. Right. So like I only turned a little bit and I didn't get to actually see that there was like this door suspended in space behind me. Which was like a oh, really, really shitty way to start a game because I, I literally thought the game was broken. And since it was 99 cents, I'm like, I would believe it if it was broken. I mean, it, you know, clearly it's not AAA. Uh, and so I start the game, game in quotes, and I'm just like, what, what's going on? I'm in a house and there's stuff to pick up and I pick up a couple things and nothing happens and you can rotate them. I'm like, okay, here's, I don't know, a, a book of matches or something and here's a... Uh, a weird doll that's like semi melted in a microwave. That's weird. And you know, I walk around, I'm like, okay, nothing going on in this room. Let's go to the next room. And I go to the next room, nothing going on here. Let's go upstairs, go upstairs. And, uh, I go inside like the office that you mentioned and I got an achievement just for like entering the office. I'm like, what? I just opened the door. I didn't do anything. I just, I just entered. And for some reason, the camera, like, did this happen to you? Like when you go in the office, the camera like all of a sudden pans down hard when you're like behind the desk. Yeah, it does. And I think it's worth mentioning at this point that this game is not polished very well. It It, it is, as a matter of fact, it is so unpolished that 
whenever I played it, I thought it was an iPhone game that had been ported to the PlayStation 4 very poorly because that is kind of what it feels like. But I was able to look past that a little bit, but it is not without its fair share of like inconsistent, um, I guess, mechanics or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess, okay, so like it, I, I wasn't bothered by the low production values. Like, it is a pretty rough-looking game, but that's fine. Like, that didn't bug me. I can get past that, no problem. But, like, I just didn't know what was going on. Like, no, there you don't get any story. You're into this house, and you're just looking at stuff. And I didn't find anything. Like, I didn't trigger anything. Like, nothing happened. Um, you know, the, a couple achievement pops uh, popped for, like, some random reason. Like, nothing that I did, really. Uh, and so I saw the office you walk in the office you walk behind the desk in the office and the camera just like shunts straight down and i'm like oh okay clearly i must be looking at something here and i'm looking around like i don't see anything and i'm like why is the camera focusing me here when there's nothing here what i'm I'm looking and looking i don't see anything i'm like okay maybe it's just not working properly i leave go to the next room nothing in there go to the next room nothing in there i see a pair of like handcuffs laying behind the bed and i go ooh for like one second and then like nothing happens and then I go downstairs and I see a hole in the wall where the the wallpaper is like glitching. And I'm like, is it supposed to glitch or is it just because this is a 99 cent game? I can't tell. And I try to click on the, the hole. Nothing happens. And I just I'm walking in this house and nothing's happening. And I'm like, what the fuck is this is a waste of time. Like nothing is going on. Like literally nothing is going on. I don't know why I'm looking at these things. I don't know what this house is about. I don't know why I'm there. I don't know who I am. I just nothing, no clue. And I started to get really mad because I feel like this game is like wasting my time. I'm like, my time is so precious and valuable and I'm playing this thing and I just feel like it's going nowhere. I have nothing to work with. I I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing done. And I just fucking deleted the thing. I'm just done. I'm not going to waste any more time on it. So I 99 cents down the drain. Um, I guess that's not the most money I could have wasted, but I, you know, I just, there was literally like less than nothing there for me. All it did was make me mad. It just, I paid 99 cents to get angry. Well, I think it is worth noting that the game is only 99 cents and that, I mean, it can be finished in about 20 minutes, maybe less if you're like not being very thorough. So like super cheap and it's not very long. And obviously there's no like cutscenes or character models or dialogue or like any like super duper production values. So I mean... You know, it's not like it was, like, a $60 game and, you know, you got stuck with this, like, 30-minute experience and then you left. So it is it is cheap, and I feel like that, like, that the cheapness and the length sort of weighed into the, um, I don't know, my being able to forgive it more and, like, enjoy it more, I think. I, I can see that. I can see that. But, I mean, honestly... Um... It just seemed like somebody who was like learning how to model like in 3D made a house and then they're like, oh, uh, I'm going to put this on PSN. I'm going to make some money. I'll be rich. Like it, it doesn't there's nothing there. Like it's just a house that's modeled. I mean, I'm very curious to know. I mean, I mean, let's just spoil this here because I, you know, it's 99 cents, whatever. Uh, what 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 did you get out of it? Like I didn't get I didn't get anything out of this, dude. Like what did you walk away with or what was the point of it or what you know like i please enlighten me because i i am at a loss here um i think that you're gonna think i'm fucking crazy whenever i say this (laughs) um but i think the game is about a very nuclear 1970s family and i think it is about 
a um, a husband that is physically and sexually abusive to his wife and possibly his children. And I think that it is about uh, potentially the wife uh, taking the kids and leaving, or it's about her uh, murdering her husband in self-defense and then escaping with the children. Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing. How did you how did you come to that conclusion, dude? Because I didn't get any of that. How did you do that? Well, um, if you explore, I mean, if you explore enough, there's recipe books in the kitchen that are all based around like um, like a woman being able like feeding her family, but not eating so much that she gets fat. So like, you know, she needs to stay thin and like the handcuffs on the side of the bed uh, lead me to believe that maybe he was abusive to her. And the fact that his office um, has a lot of beer everywhere and there's like liquor downstairs and um, he has like there's like uh, cigarettes and stuff. And he's got a weird um, calendar in his office that has like um, like a Bible quote on it or some kind of quote um, about like how you have to kill like everything in the family and like the, like the goats and the ox or something. And there are photographs scattered in the corner of the office that look like, like one of them is like, it it looks like a man like buried with like a shovel next to him. And I think that maybe like she got even with him and buried his body. Um, and, uh, Uh, And I don't know. I mean, there's just like makeup all over her side of the counter in the bathroom because maybe she felt pressured into like wearing makeup and looking beautiful every day because he would, um, you know, uh, like maybe abuse her if she didn't. Um, And there's like nail polish everywhere and the children's room. I mean, there's like crosses above the beds, which leads me to believe that it's some kind of like you know, very conservative Christian family with a very controlling husband and father and that they just uh, didn't necessarily couldn't take it anymore and they had to get out, I think. Wow. Wow. That Okay, so this is proof positive of why you are the expert in walking simulator genre. And I am the the guy who's like, "Uh, what? I, I, I didn't get any of that. I mean, I totally... That's amazing to me that you were able to glean that much info because, like, when I was playing this game, it was literally like, I'm in a room. There's nothing in here. What's going on? I'm moving on. And that's it. Like, I, you know, I, lo- I picked up a few things, but I'm like, oh, here's a calendar. That's nice. And here's a picture. And I, I can't quite tell what that is. And here's some, you know, here's a here's some beer. Okay. Uh, and then what? Nothing. And then that, like, that was it. Like, I, I don't know. Interesting, interesting, interesting how we are coming at this game from such different approaches because like seriously it feels like to me like somebody's first 3d model project and then you've got this like really interesting narrative about you know uh this fraught life in the 70s and you know repression and stuff i mean that's so so interesting um but yeah i mean that that's that's amazing and i just deleted it i'm done i I don't think i'm gonna go back to play it anymore uh but i i really enjoyed how you kind of took that apart and uh yeah, I never would have gotten that in like a billion years ever. <laughs> well, I mean, you are talking to like the king of people's like looking through people's shit simulator video games. And what you say is not wrong because it does look like like a my first video game video game. Like it's very basic. It doesn't control super well. Um, 
it has like like the office bug that you were talking about where it like forces your view down to look at nothing in particular um it's definitely like opening doors is not easy in the game like you like move the cursor over the doorknob and it'll highlight and then you press x and like the door won't open and i was like running around these doors like hitting x as many times as i could and then like finally the door would open so it's like definitely not a polished game definitely looks like amateur work on like the first build of something that this team has ever built like in a very amateur way so you're definitely not wrong but i was just more patient and i was uh i guess explored a lot more and tried to like make sense of what was going on and like for that i i appreciate the game but i mean it's certainly like not like my game of the year or anything but um i just <laughs> I, I just like i like games like this like kona we talked about whenever i played it where like it's like a whole town, a whole deserted town. And basically all you're doing is like going to everybody's house and going to like the storm, like the market and the city and just like looking through everybody's shit and trying to find out like what happened in this city. Although that game is much more concrete about like, here's the, here's the plot. Here's, you know, the objective and blah, blah, blah. But it's, I mean, it's kind of like that where you're just like given a very small slice of somebody's life in their home and you have to like look through all their shit and basically you kind of like in her story, you just like play the whole game in your head and you like figure out what you think happened to these people. If you're willing to like explore enough and like deep dive enough and get creative enough, I guess. Interesting. I, you know, I, uh, I hear what you're saying and I think that I'm just not really cut out for these kinds of games. <laughs> um, you know, like I just, I just don't like searching through things. I don't like, um, like just exploring with nothing going. I'm not a big explorer in games in general. Like I'm not really cut out for that. Like I, if there's, if I'm on a quest or something, or if I have some like reason, if I'm after something like that kind of works. But like when I'm just like in a town looking around, looking, I, I don't like looking through people's stuff. I don't like uh, any of that stuff. And it, it seems like maybe if there was more plot or, you know, maybe like in Kona, like if I was a detective and if I got kind of like got into the role of like, Oh, I need to find out what happened. Like maybe that would make, more sense and maybe I would be drawn in to get it done or maybe not. Like, I don't know. I think I'm just not this guy. I think I need to just not do this genre because I'm trying <laughs> to think of some that have clicked and I, I can't think of any, I mean, I haven't played every one, but I don't think there are any that really, I really, really liked. So maybe this is just not my genre. In fact, I think this is probably not, I'm just going <laughs> to say that now taking a hard stance, uh, breaking news here on Sova games, walking simulators, not Brad's genre is not my thing. So I think uh, I think that is all I have to say on Deliriant. Anything uh, you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think I have gleaned much more than any reasonable person should out of this game. So I've probably said just about as much as I can. That was fucking amazing. If I ever find a random box of artifacts, I am coming straight to you, dude. I'm be like, here, <laughs> look at this stuff. Shoebox full of pictures. There's like a, something else in here, like a book. What, what does this mean, Corey? Put it all together oh for me. Gosh. I got no fucking clue. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Total respect uh, to you, uh, Sherlock, Sherlock Motley. Um, <laughs> this is going to bring us to the end of our game sock, though, and the end of the show. Uh, but before we go, here's the information that I promised you earlier. Uh, if you want to send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else that you would like to, please send it to SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a show, as a collective, as a unit at so video games but you can also reach us individually Corey, where can they find you on twitter sir 
They can find me at Corey Motley, my first and last name. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent. And I am also on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And with that information, uh, that brings us to the end of another So Video Games. We will see you next week. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. Bye.